This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. Hey, the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake, through the 90s and 2000 Robin series, Red Robin, Young Justice, and Teen Titans. And from time to time, taking a look at the modern era of Tim Drake in the pages of DC Comics, while also talking about other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode. Say it with me, Terrence. Two, three, one. 79. 79. <laughs> We're brought to you. Of course, you're hearing the new bumper that TBU is putting up uh, there on all the podcasts to kind of unify everything together. So obviously we're hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. We're also partnered with Batman on Film through their podcast network, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. Go check out all the shows on both networks. You can get hold of us through all the social media. You guys know where we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search some version of everyone loves a Drake and you'll find us Twitter's ELTD podcast. And you can email to the show at Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. And Terrence, what is our number count at YouTube right now? Well, it's kind of funny because, um, we were at 99 last night. And then I had all this thing planned for like a special 99 subscribers because um, I, I thought we were creeping up towards that 100 mark. And I thought, aha, I'm going to go to the comic book store and I'm going to buy Robin 100, which I don't have. And then that will be our big 100th YouTube episode. Uh, and I've been trying to do more YouTube videos this last couple weeks or so uh, just to like, get the momentum rolling there. And uh, so I was all set to do uh, our 100th uh, comic, go to the comic book store. They don't have Robin 100, but they did have Robin 99. So I thought, aha, in honor of Maxwell Smart, and I'll wait. And when we get our 99th subscriber, that's when I will do this video. 
Well, I was all set to do that today, episode 99, and or uh, issue 99, I should say, and my daughter called me up on the phone and she said, hey, did you see Robin Everyone Loves the Drake YouTube page? You got 100 subscribers today. And I was like, oh, cool. So <laughs> for for our 100th subscriber uh, episode, we I reviewed Robin 99, which is an issue I had never read before. And oddly enough, it ties into our issues today that we'll be reviewing. And I talked about that in the YouTube video. And now that we've hit 100 subscribers, um, we can change the handle, the the address for YouTube. So uh, I I haven't done that yet. Sorry, Rob. Uh, But um, (laughs) coming up in the uh, next couple days or so, we'll we'll come out. Or maybe Rob can insert one of his famous edits in here and tell us the new thing. It's not some random numbers and digits here. Um, And I would like to say, everyone, that I am free. I have escaped from the North Korean bunker that I was in the last episode (laughs) where I recorded on some Cold War era Russian uh, radio equipment. And, and Rob and Ryan sounded like pristine and perfect. And it's like, I'm in the bunker. Yes, Robert. But um, I think Rob's going to introduce Ryan and then we'll talk about why I was a prisoner of Kim Jong-un for so long. Yes. <laughs> that may be the best intro ever for yourself. That was Terrence O'Neill, folks. Uh, with us, all three of us are here. Um, and I just got a note that says, oh, never mind, it's one-on-one. <laughs> so uh, looking at the YouTube count there, so we'll have to get an official count here. Uh, but with us is Ryan Haas. All three of us are on the mic at the same time, but the show hasn't been edited yet, so maybe more voiceovers will have to be done. Ryan, how are you doing today? Hello. I- I'm, doing, I'm doing well. And as you guys uh, talked about on the last episode, uh, although I did have strep throat, uh, it cleared up, you know, a, a couple of days later, enough for me to do the the intro on the last episode, which which I I, I enjoyed doing. As you might have heard, and t- Terrence alluded to, Terrence didn't sound the best, and I sounded crystal clear, and Ryan sounded crystal clear. So, a lot of podcasters end up using Skype uh, to do podcasting when you're having multiple people on, or if it's a solo show. Obviously, we would use whatever recording program we have. And there were a couple updates uh, pretty recently where Skype had been changing how large of a file you can send back and forth to people. So sometimes we would share episodes back and forth. Excuse me. And that was how I would be sending shows to the Batman universe to get them uploaded for you guys to hear. Well, that had changed. And there must have been an update on the Skype recorder that I had missed because you've got to update both sometimes simultaneously. It's kind of a pain. So I didn't update. I thought, ah, Terrence and I will record. I'll update this later and went on with the show. And it said recording on, but it I didn't notice if it said recording show. It was just the indicator of recording on. So we did our whole show, hung up, and I went to go look for the file. I can't find the file anywhere. It's not in this normal bank where it's supposed to be. I send Terrence a message, and he sends one back that says, I have the show. It recorded on my end but it only recorded my part of the conversation. So I, me, Rob, my part was nowhere on the recording. So it was a matter of, well, do we scrap the whole thing? And then I thought, well, since Terrence kind of ran that show, he was asking most of the questions. I thought it would be just as if I was replying back to him again. So that's what ended up happening. I replied 
in a separate audio track. But the funny thing was Skype didn't record Terrence's actual audio track. His camcorder picked up the (laughs) ambient noise in the room. So it was just his normal voice through not a so well of a recording system. So that's why things sounded the way that it was. And that was really kind of trippy to, I thought, Oh, I can just listen to whatever Terrence says and then just reply back. But then once I started doing that, I realized I must have said some things that made Terrence reply in a different way. So I had to kind of listen to the question that Terrence asked and then his next vocal line, whatever he said. There were a couple times I was going, why was this funny? Because Terrence is just laughing for no reason. So luckily, after Terrence laughs, he usually says what he's laughing about. So that was a really good clue. So... uh <laughs> That that was something else. Uh, what was your experience with that, Terrence? <laughs> did, did you ever use these things when you were a kid called like Mad Libs, where they have you write down like noun, verb, thing in a list, and then you add them into a? They, that's what I kind of felt story. like it. Yeah, and um, I want to do it again, but this time I want to come up with some weird phrases and things that you have to come up with a reply for. So I'll just be like. Hmm, that's interesting, Rob. I never knew anyone could injure their sphincter that way. And then you have to like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. you know, oh. be like, oh, well, how do I fill in that silence? But listening to me, I just talk to nobody, and then there be silence, and then me answer questions to silence. It you really gives you uh, the feeling that you've just completely gone insane. And then I have that moment of like. Am I insane? Is Rob just my imaginary friend who lives in this box? Like I've never met. I'm like, no, he's got a YouTube page, right? Does it? I've, he's, he exists. I, I think he exists. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun. But I think he did a great job, uh, even though, uh, sorry, my audio does sound like it was in some some cave somewhere in the middle of Siberia. Yeah. Well, I mean, we couldn't have planned that better with just what the issue was. So while we're all in on here, we heard uh, Ryan do the intro to the show, and his takeaway take from the issue was a little bit different. So, oh my gosh! Uh, so I, listen, I re-listened to the show, and I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, this was a fun episode. This was fun, I, you know, one and done, whatever. And then you just got you guys crapped on it for like two hours, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> how 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 uh, how um critical can you be of uh, Robin Plus Impulse number one? <laughs> You know, I'm just like, man. Uh, Yeah, I listened to your – I didn't listen to what you had said at the beginning. I thought maybe you were going to have a a little in-joke or something like that since you knew what was going on with the episode. So I thought, well, I'll wait till I edit it all together. Then I'll hear what he says for the first time. And I was like, oh, man, Ryan enjoyed this one. And Terrence and I pulled it apart every way but Sunday (laughs) saying that this could have been a little bit better. This could have been a little bit better. Um, No, my my critical eye was not – was not really turned on at the time because I had just finished reading. Oh man, I caught up. I've been catching up on all of my rebirth stuff lately. And I, you know, as you guys have probably, tr- you could track my progress through a lot of these podcasts between the Drake and between BOF. Like I, I finished detective, all my detective comics stuff from rebirth. I've caught up with Batman. I caught up with all the, you know, year plus worth of Superman, Super Sons action comics. And then I finally, uh, caught up with, uh, Green Lanterns and Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. So I had like 50 issues or something of like both series. And I, and I just had finished reading like 
I don't know, 30 issues of, of both of those series. And I finally wow. finished all of them and I was done. And I'm like, oh, okay, now what's the, what do I have to read? Okay, <laughs> Robin Plus Impulse. <laughs> so I, I had read that like right after reading a whole bunch of other comics and I just like breezed through it and I was like, yeah, that was fun. You know, I was like, I was not in the mood of to like pick it apart that closely. It's interesting, like when you're just reading for leisure, you can walk away from a story going, man, that was a good time, especially when you're reading, like you said, multiple books. I've been doing the yeah, same. Yeah, I was like, not like, I was like not looking for plot holes or anything. I was like, right. you know, more like candies, like, you know, finish this one, go to the next one, go to the next one. I'm making the stat go down. That's the, <laughs> that's the important part. Right. I, I'm still so, so far behind, but yeah, like reading this for the episode like you could kind of hear after a while terrence and i were constantly going yeah like it wasn't till about the middle of it we're like man i was kind of expecting a little bit more and that just kind of think went into both why we had such a hard time remembering this issue i clearly remember picking it off the shelf and going wow this seems so cool impulse and robin together in one issue and then it just i must have checked it out so terrence any (laughs) final other things yeah, you know, it's it's funny Ryan says that because I actually never even thought about it, but now I'm realizing that I'm so much more critical when I'm reading a comic that I know we're we're going to review for the show. Like I know like this I'm reading it purposely for the show because as I'm looking at each page and each panel, I'm, I'm not just taking it in like a normal reader. I'm also thinking, okay, what can I say about this? What yeah. what comment can I make? Is there anything funny I could say about this? What what do I think Rob or Ryan might react to this? What can I tie this back into? So sometimes when we get things that are really good, like the the it starts rolling of like all these like oh, I'm going to talk about how great this is and oh look at this shot and oh you know I'm staring at it a little bit longer and noticing things that I'll bring up and Rob is always like I never noticed that or something you know like but when it goes the other way and it's not so good something that's just eh it's you know it's just eh all of a sudden we just keep piling on and piling on and piling because I noticed like oh look yeah. the coloring's bad oh look the the carpet's the same color as the walls <laughs> oh no it wasn't that for, yeah. for me it was for me it was when you got into like well, that's not how time really works, and uh, maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe this maybe the speed force accounts for like you know if you put something in the microwave, you still have to wait that amount of time, and blah blah blah. I'm like, man, you're really ri- riven on how like the speed force works in this Robin plus impulse number one, man. Yeah, with the typing, with the keyboards, you know, like just yeah, with he the can keyboard, move it yeah, fast, with the combination. Even... He's like, I I guess it was a frictionless keyboard. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh. What? Yeah. Once Terrence brought up the. Uh, Superman returns with the plane, and he starts to. I like that example, though. That, that was, was a great, great example. That I was like, "Yeah, what else can we find in this and, issue?" And that's that's Grant Morrison. <laughs> that, that's credit where credits due. That's Grant Morrison. I heard that in the Grant Morrison yeah. interview. But yeah, I always think about that now of like how these heroes, you know, they're limitless, but the world around them's not. But you know, it. I don't know. I, I, th- I think I'm an apologist, too. So, like, when I see something that doesn't make sense, I start thinking of, like, but how could this actually really work? And right. the Speed Force or magic or, you know, he's Batman, you know? Orphan vision. Exactly, Orphan yeah. Vision. <laughs> well, and I don't know if I clarified it as well, but I'll say it again. Only having just Terrence's audio track, it was three days later that I sat down and played his audio track while simultaneously re-recording all of my vocal parts. What uh, from scratch? <laughs> yeah, from scratch. So, so it, just to clarify for the listeners, yeah, you you had recorded the podcast, but you only got back Terrence's audio. Correct. So you re-recorded yourself 
talking back to Terrence, having to imitate yourself and play the part of Rob Myers and laugh <laughs> in the right spots and say witty things the right spots and think about you know oh yeah where's the friction <laughs> all the right spots all in the right spots and there were a couple things that I knew. It was like doing the audio drama all over again I, yeah it was and in one of the podcast groups uh, that I'm in. Somebody had said, wow, Rob, I didn't realize you were going to do another audio drama that soon. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> this time I played myself in real life. And I remember laughing, going, how can I make my laugh sound real? Because now I feel like I'm going, ha, 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 Yeah. You, fr- for, you for forgot. The- <laughs> I was going to say for... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say you forgot one step in that Rob wrote out a script for himself, too, or notes, or oh, talking yeah. point notes, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Now it is easy, it, you know. It's it's very unfortunate for a podcaster to ever have to do that, but it is easier to do it when it's only a two person show and you only have to fill in what you said to one person. Uh, Ryan, for those in the, for those <laughs> for those in the know, uh, I have uh, experience in in what happened, and I actually um, suggested to Rob that he might be able to do this because I this has happened to me once on a BOF show. I'm not going to say which one it is to to maintain secrecy, but yes, we did have a show on BOF where I was the only one that did not have their audio recorded and I had to re-record my audio for the entire episode and it wow. was it was a pain. And and for my and the reason I did it, I did not want to scrap the show and kind of like ruin, you know, a bunch of people's days or have to re-record it and schedule it. And I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take this bullet and read, redo my part. And, uh, it still turned out to be a great episode and nobody really, uh, <laughs> picked up on it. So isn't it, isn't it trippy? I mean, like Terrence said, it's really weird to only hear the one side of the conversation, but to have to go back in and know like where you were in that moment and go, yeah. like we're, we're talking or things right that you said earlier yeah. that set up things later. That is right. the hardest thing. Yeah, that was the fun episode, but I like not trying to pat myself on the back, but listening to it, I was always kind of worried, like, is this going to sound like a decent episode? And one of the first comments we got on Twitter was, enjoyed the episode, great, great issue. So I uh, <laughs> I was like, whew, dodged a bullet. So hopefully this one will be a lot better. Hey, uh, one last thing I wanted to say about the whole thing with Impulse is uh, – so Impulse then leads into the uh, whole uh, Young Justice run, which Peter David wrote for, for a while, for a few years there with Tim yeah. Drake, Robin, Impulse, uh, and Superboy. And since there's three of them and three of us, that should be our radio drama with each one of us playing oh, <laughs> one oh. of the Young Justice people. <laughs> very interesting. Very interesting. May have to take a poll. I had a a vision like one time of going, all right, if we do radio drama, maybe I had a whole nother podcast that there's only one episode a year, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, subscribe yeah. to whatever. And then <laughs> instead of getting like, Oh, this podcast, it's like bi- a podcast all stars, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so drama, all stars or something. Uh, one little plug that I have here is for relatively geeky professor Allen, uh, shortly after our radio drama had, the final episode had aired and everything uh, had sent me a message and said he was kind of inspired to kind of do something, but not on the level that I have. So uh, they covered the, I'm trying to pull it up here, the Teen Titans, uh, not Teen Titans, the Super Sons annual uh, that featured Bat Cow and Titus. And I was asked to oh, play, <laughs> I was asked to play a part and I played the part of Bat Cow. 
How? What? <laughs> they did an audio drama of that? They they put one together and they said not. What? <laughs> so I'm pulling it up here. Uh, How could you possibly? Is, that's that issue's hard enough to follow. Like just looking at it, I can't yeah. imagine being and, able to like just hear hear some moves and some meows that you'll be able to tell. Hey, we've saved all the the the, the animals from the alien that's capturing us all. Exactly. So they ended up writing uh, a set of dialogue, and I think uh, Professor Allen's <laughs> daughter M was like being the narrator. Uh, oh my of, god! Of the scene and what's going on, but it's it's really cute uh, that everybody that they pulled other podcasters in, and then some of the podcasters had their kids do other various sounds. There's people doing crickets and other cats and things like that. So if you go to Relatively Geeky Podcast, it is episode. It's uh, listed as SX O six zero. It's called Five Years Strong. So Relatively Geeky Podcast, go check them out. Um, they've been kind of supporters of the podcast for a while, and uh, I was honored to be uh, on their show. So you can hear me moo and all my mooing glory is bat cow. So go is check that, them out. Is that just stereotyping because you're from Ohio and that's like I, farm country <laughs> and everything? Or that's that's what Midwest? I told him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm from Ohio, too. I could have played bat cow as well. And I'm like, well... Yeah. My, my grandparents do have a farm, and he's like, fine, you're back, Hal. I said, okay, <laughs> that, that, that works. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. All right, so the main part of the show we have today is the Chuck Dixon story that we're going to be doing. We're back to doing Chuck Dixon again. The Detective Comics Robin crossover between Detective Comics 685, Robin 17, uh, the King Snake story, and... Uh, I kind of wanted to go around the room here uh, before we uh, get into the issues and before we get into the synopsis is what was your initial thought getting into this section of the Robin book and kind of revisiting King Snake and just kind of what your overall thoughts were of the let's uh, talk about them as as a whole as if this was one book. Let's start with uh, Ryan. Just my overall thoughts. Um, I thought this I, I enjoyed all three of these issues and you know after doing all of our crossovers and nightfall and all that stuff it's it's interesting to get back to just these uh you know regular you know for the lack of a better word robin issues and the advantage is is since chuck dixon is writing like every batman book he can do things like crossovers between his books but it really doesn't feel like it it feels like one solid story you know between detective robin and detective here and uh, not only that it's it's the this crossover is fun because it's framed as a Robin story, you know, like Robin yeah. in the Detective Comics issue we'll get into. I mean, Robin is the narrator from page one, and that kind of is consistent throughout all three books, which I thought was um, really smart. And it has the same artist on all three books, and I thought that that just made, gave this like a consistency. Like if you didn't know that these were three separate issues between two titles you you would never know like it reads as a i think you said this rob it reads like one just big like annual type of story like a 60 yeah. page thing um and that's cool and and because that uh it's kind of a bookend kind of story to uh the r- original robin miniseries uh with king snake it's kind of a um it's cool to cope to revisit it and 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 have another story with that and um just to see Batman and Robin, you know, working together again, like you would want them to be, you know, without, without the gimmicks or without the cross, crazy crossovers or whatever. It's just a, it's just a cool, solid story, um, in three issues. So 
Uh, Terrence, what do you got? A couple things Ryan said struck me right away is that Tim Drake is the narrator in Detective Comics in both issues. That kind of blew me away right from the start, and I thought it was pretty awesome. Um, because it is the same writer and same artist, there's great fluidity between the three books. <laughs> I was la- I was saving that for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and in fact, each book ends with like an action scene or, or such. And then the next book just starts up right where the action left off. And there's very little like recap or recap pages or nothing's more tedious than you're reading, you know, a yeah, it, story. I mean, fluidity yeah. is, is smart. I mean, it does flow very well without having to like stop and restart and whatever. Yeah. And get the whole narrative you know, of everything that had happened in the past. Um mm-hmm. I think I mentioned this. I can't remember if I mentioned it on our Batman and Robin Eternal podcast or if on, I mentioned it on the last podcast because I was being, you know, uh, severely beaten by North Korean guards and stuff at the time. So I'm a little my, – my memory's a little fuzzy. But I did mention somewhere that this plays like a um, – Chinese uh, or Asian martial arts movie. And growing yeah. up in New York, uh, before cable, before we had cable TV, there was a station on the weekends that had like a, a I forget what they called it. They called it like double Chinese theater or, or martial arts theater or something like that. And they would show these martial arts movies um, that were du- badly that were dubbed. dubbed. Badly yeah, you dubbed. talked about that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. In, in English. Uh, and this plays out like one of those movies. And in fact, in um, Detective Comics 686, in the beginning, uh, when uh, Bullock and Montonia are at the crime scene, Bullock even mentions, he says, is this a crime scene or Black Belt Theater? And I was like, ah, maybe it was called Black Belt Theater. I don't know. But, but it... it, it those movies were always very fun to watch. Like they were just a blast, and so was this comic. It had that same fun feel as one of those uh, black belt theater shows. Well, let's just get right into it. We're going to go into the synopsis. So here we go. Okay, before we get to the synopsis, let's take a look at the information of these issues brought to us by Mike's Amazing World. You can find it at www.mikesamazingworld.com. A great resource if you want to know who drew what, who was on the cover, who did the inking, who did the colorist, and all that wonderful stuff. So, for Detective Comics 685, the information reads as follows. The cover date is May 1995. The on-sale date is March 28, 1995, with a cover price of $1.50. The page count is 32, and the editor is Scott Preston. The title, Iron Dragons. Writer Chuck Dixon, penciler Stephen Lieber, uh, first on this show, talking about his artwork. Inker Klaus Jansen, letterist John Costanza, and the colorist is John Wellington, so not Adrian Roy on these two issues from Detective. Uh, The cover credit goes to Graham Nolan, and the inker on the cover is Klaus Jansen. Over to the Robin portion of this story. This is from Robin 17. The cover date is June 1995. The on-sale date is April 4th, 1995. Cover price, again, $1.50. Page count 32. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. 
the title The Silk Dragons. The writer Chuck Dixon, again, brought the, the penciler over from Detective for uh, this Robin issue to have some uh, consistency in the art, which is kind of cool. We'll talk about that. Uh, in our discussion portion, but Stephen uh, Lieber again. Uh, the inker is uh, Eugene Villengrand. Villengrand, man, if I'm saying that right. The letter is Timothy Harkins, and the colorist is John Wellington again, kind of keeping more of the continuity. Uh, the penciler is Mike Roringo, and the inker is Terry Austin on the front cover. So we're going to run, starting with Detective, going to Robin. I've been liking using these from uh, DC Wikia. So that is where the synopsis is coming from for this King Snake story. And here we go. Synopsis 4, War of the Dragons, Part 1, The Iron Dragon. A gang war is starting to develop in Gotham's Chinatown, and Batman investigates the events with the help of Robin. One of the major crime bosses in Chinatown, King Snake, receives a warning, but he kills the messenger as a way to send his own message. His actions put him against his right hand, Lynx, who challenges King Snake for the gang leadership just to be beaten by Snake. At the time, the GCPD is worried about a killer named Tommy Mangles that roams the streets of Gotham. Bruce and Tim try to get some informants inside Chinatown, but the info they managed to get wasn't helpful. They try to guess what would happen next, but they have to cope with the day-to-day chores and a new neighbor named Delvin Davenport. Meanwhile, other Asianic gangs prepare themselves for the upcoming war, and the Sun Tribe hires a skilled assassin called the Silver Monkey that would give them an edge to ensure their victory. War Dragons Part 2, Robin, the Silk Dragons. As the gangs of Gotham's Chinatown continue their war, Robin fears he may have lost Ariana. When he and Batman arrive at the scene to fight amongst King Snake, Lynx and the Ghost Dragons, Robin encounters Huntress, and Batman tangles with the Silver Monkey. All right, that's the synopsis for the issues. So uh, starting off with Detective 685, I, out of all three covers, I love the Robin cover, not being biased, but I think 685 <laughs> might be my favorite cover as much as I like Nightwing on 686. Um, I think just the shot of here of Graham Nolan uh, doing uh, Batman and King Snake uh, side by side. Then you have the serpent of the dragon in the background. I think that's really cool. And it's kind of bleeding into the Batman part of the Detective Comics logo. It's just a real simple cover, but sometimes the simplest covers are are the coolest ones. So I, I really dig this cover. Uh, what do you guys think about the cover before we crack open the interior of the book? Let's start with Terrence. You, you know what I really like about the cover is it, it when I picked this book up and when I read it, um, way back in the, the 90s, it has the appearance as if Batman and King Snake physically and uh, combatively are equals. And so you kind of have this mm. like, oh, man, Batman's going up against his equal mm. here. This is going to be heavy. This is going to be big. This, this it had that like almost like a boxing marquee of like, you know, heavyweight championship mm-hmm. showdown. So I really like that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you guys, too, real quick. Um, do you, are you guys have the floppies on this, or do you have it in? Trade I have paperback? the floppies. I have the I have the floppy on this. Okay, because well. if you notice, uh, six eighty five is priced at a dollar fifty, but six eighty six is priced at a dollar ninety five, and, and so is Robin twenty two. And there's a paper change too. You know, like the the paper. My paper is different in six eighty five, or the printing at least. It's glossy in the uh, yes. six eighty six. Is that the same with you guys too? Yes. 685 is regular paper. Yes, and 686 is glossy. We actually have a letter in the letters column section we'll get to that talks about this. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Funny. 
I think that just recently happened to DC Comics that they went back to a more traditional comic paper as opposed to the glossy paper. That was just recently, probably within the last month. Yeah, I noticed my flash flash issues were like that. Yeah, is there like an article or anything about it? Or Uh, there was a small press release um, from DC. I think I actually read it on their Twitter feed that they. I, I don't think it mentioned cost savings, but I think somebody like a CBR or somebody like that had ran with it that a DC, I think, was essentially trying to save some money by going to different uh But they're charging paper. us more, Rob. Yes. Uh, yeah, I know. They're saving, mo- they're saving money and charging us more money. So, <laughs> sons of bitches. So, uh, <laughs> uh, what do you got for the uh, cover here, uh, Ryan? I love the cover. I mean, I mean, as all comic covers, they're a little misleading. And although I don't think it's the most misleading cover of the th- of these three, um, I, it's still enjoyable. And I like the the symmetry between Batman and King Snake. Um, and Terrence made a great point about making them seem equal, as in like they were equals. And you can never go wrong with the, with a Graham Nolan cover. And it's just um, it's just nice, clear. It's 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 fun. It makes you want to read the issue. So. Uh, that's all I have to say about it, but it's it's a cool cover. Uh, but- so let's just crack this thing open. One of my favorite scenes out of all three of these books is this opening sequence with a, a little old lady going to her rundown apartment. She's got her sack <clears throat> of groceries, and then this lady starts to proceed to kick and punch the crap out of this guy. And, of course, we find out it's actually Robin. I think that's just a, a really cool thing that... Like Terrence had mentioned, you kind of would see some things in like those kung fu type movies where ah the sensei master has been underneath the disguise the whole entire time, and you know the, the <laughs> lip syncs out all wacky. But I think this is a, a really cool opening sequence. It gets Batman and Robin uh, back together working after spending time in Nightfall and everything like Ryan had said. So I think this is a really cool opening sequence and something that Chuck Dixon has said uh, multiple times that he likes to start off with action. And this is like you just change the channel on the kung fu movie and bam, you're right into the story. So uh, the, these first opening sequences, and I love seeing the bad guy strung up with the batarang stuck into the wall, yeah. leaving it for the police, and Batman and Robin are swinging off. So what do you think of this uh, opening sequence, Ryan? It made me think of uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, you know, when, uh, oh yeah, you know, that's right. It, where Batman is dressed up as the old lady and, um, he's, you know, and then he just surprises the crap out of some of Joker's, you know, militia and stuff. And, and, uh, he just starts kicking people's butt as this old woman. And then all of a sudden he just pulls the face off him. Oh, it's Batman, <laughs> you know? So, uh, that's what it, it made me think of, and but it's a cool action scene just to see like Robin kind of, kind of beat somebody down like this. And ironically, Klaus Jansen is the inker. Uh, mm-hmm. on this book so i wonder if that might have been a little nod uh for dixon to kind of you know put something like that in here and i think dixon is masterful enough and everything that he does has a little hint or a wink or a nod to something else so um uh terrence what'd you think of this opening sequence yeah there's also i don't know if it was an old lady but in year one which is also frank miller there's a scene where batman is dressed up like a homeless person or old lady. i have to look at it again and he sees like the mugging happen happening uh i think it's of sarah essen and he can tell that it's a police setup to try to get batman and he's just like oh shoot the way she walks she doesn't belong here or something but uh i love uh, what i want to mention is what i love here on that first page the title card this dragon that's holding up the 
uh, credits of who um, you know the oh, writers yeah. and artists it's are. It's really like seventies, isn't it? Like yeah. a, like a title treatment kind of deal. And even the title, War of the Dragons Part One, the Iron Dragon. It's just it it just sets that tone. It's it's really awesome. Once we get into page five, where at first I thought, oh holy crap, we're going back to the Obeah Man that I'm remembering. Oh hey, the Obeah Man's dead. But this jungle where all the militia are setting up and doing the uh, looks like they're lifting the trunk to show everybody, hey, we're we're taking all the uh, cocaine, the drugs, we're taking over this place, and they've got the heads of all the <laughs> other villagers or anybody else that had resistance. So I thought, okay, that's that's a nice the heads of the heads, <laughs> yeah, yes. heads of the heads. Uh, if you don't like it, your head is going to be in here. So I thought that was kind of a uh, a little uh, creepy way to really kind of get the story sorted off. Looking at page seven here, and I don't mean to complain here from the last issue, but Lynx, I think, has the most inconsistent face. She aged about 15 years, didn't she? Yes. Um, if you look at the cover of Robin 17, uh, Lynx does not look like she... That is how I expected her to look on the cover of Robin 17. And it took me a moment that, oh, I wonder who mm. this girl with the eye patch is in King Snake's, you know, lair or whatever. Oh, she has an eye patch like Lynx. And I'm like, he keeps talking to Lynx. <laughs> Where is she at? Then I'm realizing, oh, yeah. that is actually a Lynx. So I think the the sequence is good, turning off the lights and King Snake proceeds to kick everybody's butt right away. Lynx is kind of left there to say, this was a bad move, you shouldn't have done this. And then she tries to take out King Snakes and gets thrown like a uh, a rag doll. So Terrence, what would you think of this opening sequence with uh, King Snake? And uh, he just in, is in his I don't give a darn phase right now. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that about Lynx because I was feeling the same way. Like At first, when I turned... I think the pages are numbered here. Page seven. I thought it was a guy at first. I'm like, who's this guy? So did He's I. got an eye patch also. And then I realized, oh, wait. With those legs? No way. <laughs> I, I never thought that. <laughs> I, I was more the haircut and the face, I guess. I, I don't know. It just, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a guy. I, I, I don't know. But um, I could just imagine Chuck Dixon sitting at a typewriter, maybe has a cigar, maybe has like a little whiskey or a beer or something. <laughs> And just <laughs> laughing to himself as he writes this dialogue of like, you know, um, we must make use of a new wisdom, the sanctity of this Deutschmark, the serenity of the dollar. Our ambassadors will bring word of our new determination to Europe and America. Like, I just imagine him just having a blast uh, writing this here. And I like that. Um, I like seeing King Snake having a problem and see how he's going to respond to it. But then the way he treats Lynx, it's like, why do you not? Why are you surprised that uh, she is going to revolt against you? You're god awful to her. But um, it does. I mean, it does play out like a, a fun action movie. You know, I could just see John Claude Van Damme or you know Dolph Lundgren in the role of Snake and all this stuff. So it's it's a lot of yeah. fun. I was going to ask about because you know keep talking about links like. It's hard to re- remember, like in this, like Links in the first original Robin miniseries, she was like, like a semi love interest when they first met. Like yeah. she was older than Robin, but not that much. And they were like in clubs and stuff. I mean, and here it, it just all that kind of seems like it's it's fallen away. And she, then Links seems like she's like forty or something. <laughs> like she's like completely in another realm. Robin, she's uh, forty five after Robin. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just kind of a strange turn really and i half wonder if chuck dixon didn't purposely write 
and I'm not saying he wrote bad dialogue, but it feels like this is written as if it's an English overdub anytime King Snake or any of the other members of the Asian gangs are involved. It would have been great to think like, oh, somebody wrote this all in Chinese or Japanese or whatever language, and then it was transposed poorly on purpose for the context of the book. So I had the same thought, Terrence. I was kind of thinking, yeah, I bet he had a really good time writing this, and I think he wrote it in the best way possible to make it sound like it was an overdubbed English track or something like that. Not so much when Batman and Robin are talking or where you've got Americans, but when there's different ethnicities talking, it doesn't quite sound as normal as he would write dialogue. And I wonder if that's just, it just does feel like a big Kung Fu movie. It's really kind of cool to see again, bringing in people like Jimmy Wig here where Batman and Robin are going back to the uh, fish market to try and now get- he's been in a previous issues, right? Yes. Um, and I, trying to think out what his previous issues were. There'll be an editor's note here somewhere. But I believe it was Batman and Robin going to him once before. It's cool to see the classic long Batmobile back in this, which is really pretty cool. And uh, Jimmy doesn't know anything. And I think this is kind of one of those times where Batman's trying to use a scare tactic, and that's not quite working because this guy really doesn't have a connection anywhere other than he hears things and Batman's trying to put it out there to him like, I don't care what you hear. The next time I show up, you better have something for me. So this is a, a kind of a really cool sequence. And then uh, we get the GCPD and Bullock here, which this is something that's carried over from the KGB uh, story with Robin, where the uh, oil drum hits Bullock right in the head. And they make mention of that, that uh, he might have some type of brain damage. He shouldn't be getting up from the desk. So uh, this was kind of a cool sequence that we're reintroducing this uh, thing with Bullock again. So this is kind of the first time that Bullock is getting out from behind the desk and he's going to go, quote unquote, go get some fresh air and just going to go maybe check on a few small leads. So uh, what do you think about this uh, section here, Terrence? It reminds me of um, just kind of what's going on in the other Bat titles. It seemed like in Shadow of the Bat and in the Batman proper title, they were connecting the larger story arc through the GCPD. And so you'd see a little bit happening. And, and for a while there, we were telling you what was in the other books. And maybe we'll start going back to that uh, once we get rolling again, um, b- building towards the next big uh, contagion storyline. Uh, so I, I thought it was cool. And this is um, also going on that Sarah Essen is now the new commissioner. So this is just sort of that glue that connects the books, but that you don't have to read every single book and every little uh, detail for those people who were had um, event fatigue from those issues. Right. And I just checked Jimmy Wiggs' first appearance was Batman 467, and that was the last appearance of King Snake and... Uh, links in that issue where links looked like she was 17 so what do you got for us ryan terrence was hitting on some of that stuff i was wondering like this whole thing in the gcpd i was like that doesn't really go anywhere in this story so i assumed it was all set up for other books or future stories yeah that's that's how i took it as well yeah but yeah so and bullock got like he got hit on the head but did he get shot as well no i think he just took he took the oil concussion okay yeah i remember that and uh, this Batmobile is really cool. I, and I was wondering if this was in any other books or just for this story, too, just because maybe this artist wanted to draw it. But it's like the uh, 
This is like the the killing joke Batmobile that just yeah. kind of just shows up, and, and it's not. I, and I don't. I don't think this is the the main Batmobile of the time, is it? I mean, yes, it, just it is. Shows up, does it? It uh, is the Batmobile mm-hmm. that Bruce was driving was destroyed that Azrael had oh. had detonated at, at the bridge, thinking Bruce was going to climb it at night's end. So this is the Batmobile that Dick and Tim were driving in. So after in Prodigal, in Prodigal, yeah. So this is the same huh. Batmobile. And I believe in a few issues, a new Batmobile will be. Because uh, I know, because the one that I'm I'm thinking of is the the one that's got like the it's Batman Forever esque. It's got all the like the 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 crazy like fins on the sides yep. and stuff. Yep, that's the one yeah, that was that destroyed the on the bridge. Yep. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now, a question I had here is Devlin uh, that shows up here. Since we're not following Detective as thoroughly, let's say it, <laughs> they gave him the most pompous name ever. Yeah, J. Devlin Davenport the <laughs> Third. And I'm trying to uh, look up here really quick. I should have done my homework, Rob. Uh, Devlin, I I'm not remembering much about him at all, other than being just the stick in the mud. Uh, do you guys have any uh, recollections of Devlin being anything, or he's just that? cocky neighbor uh that's supposed to be here to kind of you know rub his wealth and bruce's nose and kind of give a what for to uh tim as well all right i got a lot to say about these two pages here so uh <laughs> ryan why don't you go first ryan and i'll and go you guys first go get, go get a soda or something and come back and then i'll i'll be ranting here so you go ryan oh man okay so i'll start with devlin and then i'll go backwards so devlin's interesting because he he's kind of like he's like super lame. I love how he's like stepping on roses as he comes to 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 to, to reclaim his golf ball. He has like yeah. no regard for like you know. I mean, each one of those roses is probably pretty expensive and like custom grown and stuff. He's just like walking all over him. <laughs> he's wearing his like you can just hear super his voice like, "Hi, have yeah. you seen my golf ball?" <laughs> I don't see you with the club these days, Brucey. I mean, it's just like, and he's like wearing this yellow suit and stuff. It's like so amazing. Yeah. So that was interesting. The other one is like, it bothers me a little bit that Bruce is so incompetent in the kitchen. Uh. Like, he can't make a tuna fish sandwich. I, I, I mean, I get the humor and the world's greatest detective who knows everything and knows how to do everything can't make a tuna sandwich. But at the same time, that kind of bothers me. That, you know, Batman is so smart. And I know, like, he can't take care of himself. He's so focused on the mission, so that's why he needs Alfred to, like, make him stuff. But but it still kind of, like, rubs me the wrong way when I'm, like, he, you know, doesn't know. <laughs> or he just, like, screws up stuff like that. Like, wouldn't he just, like, have protein bars and stuff instead of... I don't know. It's a humorous scene, but then when you start to, like, overanalyze it, you kind of... It might not jive very well with your Batman sensibilities, and it, it is all because Alfred's still not back in the in the picture. So, to me, it was more it would be more of one of those things before we get to Terrence here that I could see like somehow the electricity went off in Wayne Manor, that Alfred was taking care of that, or some of the day to day things of like. Laundry. Well, they've had is, like laundry and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and laundry was something like, oh, Dick has to show up and do laundry, and boy, Bruce can't do this. I would have been thinking it would have been uh, to me. That's that's the the lowbrow way to go. It's like, oh, he can't make a sandwich and he can't do laundry. I would have been thinking like that's not all Alfred does. What other legitimate things yeah. like appointments? Like he didn't know that he was going to meet with somebody or somebody was coming over to the house and like, those type of things that Bruce or Alfred would have the been things saying. that were help, he, that Alfred helping him maintain his foppish Bruce Wayne. Persona right. Ex- exactly. Yeah. 
So uh, this is where uh, Ryan and I are going to get a sandwich. We're going to turn the show over to Terrence. And Terrence, uh, let it roll, brother. <laughs> All right. So uh, Devlin in his yellow shirt, yellow pants, yellow hat, and yellow belt, belt buckle here. Um, oddly enough, uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show, Robin99, which I did for the YouTube page just this morning. No. Um, he shows up in Robin99. He is the main focus of the story <laughs> in Robin99. Yes. Are you serious? The, Talk about yes. a Shotgun Smith level of like reason character. And, <laughs> I, and I, I, I'm going through DC Wikia. Chuck Dixon's going out with a bang, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I'm going through the DC Wikia page, and they list every single person in this issue but him there's no there's no link to click on there's no nothing so why don't you school us here for a minute terrence (laughs) all right so robin 99 has two kind of plots going at the same time plot and it's all part of the bruce wayne murderer storyline and it's part 11 of the bruce wayne murderer um storyline and which i have never read that story so i'm jumping in right in part 11 and it's got uh, Robin and Spoiler on the cover. And so Robin is at, I think, a boarding school. So I don't know how he ends up at boarding school, uh, really. But one of his classmates um, has gotten kidnapped. So Robin, I mean, the first, you know, maybe six or seven pages of the story is the setup of the kidnapping. So Robin um, goes to the Birds of Prey to get some help um, examining this kid's computer. The kid's name is Kip, which makes Makes it hard. It's like a kidnapping. Uh, kept like messing me up reading it. But Stephanie just happens to be hanging out with the birds of prey, and they don't really like have much of an, a character interaction between Robin and Stephanie. They're very professional and just like matter of fact. But what the birds of prey are doing, mainly led by um, Barbara Gordon and Black Canary, is they've got a camera on Alfred, and Alfred is posing undercover at the country club to try to get information on Devlin. He is talking to him the whole time to try to see if he is a possible murderer instead of Bruce Wayne. And so there's all this interaction between Alfred and Devlin, and is actually basically saying that there's no way Bruce Wayne could be the murderer because he's seen him shoot at the club and he's a horrible shot and there's no way he could make these shots and so Dev is actually standing up for Bruce Wayne and they're kind of ruling him out and I don't know how much more Dev has in the Bruce Wayne murderer I'm not even sure who the murderer is I'd be great if it was Dev but I don't know if it if it was or not and then the, I don't think so yeah the <laughs> issue uh, wraps up with uh, Tim finding his friend who got kidnapped and then he says it's kind of a weird cliffhanger because his dad calls and says he's got like a problem and the first thing tim is like is everything okay with dana you know like how's my hot stepmom <laughs> like you're not, not gonna hurt her are you and and his dad's like uh he's like no his dad is broke so i don't know what that deal is and then there's i guess it's the big lead up to issue 100 but ryan you will really like this and you can see it in the youtube video on the last page of story before there's the letter column there's a big advertisement for um, Super Mario World, uh, Super Mario Brothers, Ooh. and what does it say? Super Mario Advance 2, I guess, for the Game Boy Advance. And it's a picture of Super oh, wow. Mario on a beach, like ho- ha- holding this like gorgeous supermodel in his arms and just like having fun. It's, it's really trippy. It's really cool. Um, but anyway, that's where Dev is. Now, I, I'm not done on these two pages here. Rob, you're going to have to like edit this out and make this like a Patreon only thing. Number one, <laughs> Batman and Robin, they 
pretty overreact to a golf ball hitting their table. Do you see how they're like flying away? Yeah, they're like, the greatest like, detectives ever. They're just yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. golf ball. They're, 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 they're full on diving. He's Batman. He's supposed to catch it without looking and be like, Dev, here's oh your ball. Gosh, oh my gosh, well, how amazing would that be? Yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, I crushed it in my hand while I was catching it here. But no, they run, <laughs> they dive like it's a grenade. And, okay. Well, and they know it's coming because on the panel before yeah. they say four and they're looking for four. it. Yeah, and, and, and then, all right, two more things. Number one, I get we have to keep emphasizing that Alfred's not there, and instead of showing that they can't do laundry, now it's cooking, but wh- how on earth would Bruce Wayne not just order out? I mean, why would Bruce Wayne ever think, like, yeah. I'll make a tuna sandwich? He'd be like, where's my other 15 servants? You know, one of you call the takeout, <laughs> and really, a tuna fish sandwich, that's what you're going to make? And, like, and Tim's like, how could you screw up a tuna fish sandwich? As he's saying it, I'm thinking of, like, 15 ways tuna can go bad and not be good in the sun. And also, all right, here's my last thing. What the heck is Bruce Wayne wearing? He's wearing like a green with orange stripe, a wife beater, a shirtless shirt. Like if you showed me that and said, who would wear this? You know, the last person would be like, yeah, Batman. That's a tank top Batman would Guy wear. Like, you, unless they're trying to show that like the laundry is piled up and he's wearing the last thing possible. He's wearing one of Martha's old tops because nothing's <laughs> nothing's clean anymore and he had to pull it's it out like of this. nine. These workout lounge type clothes. Kind yeah, of stuff, it's know? really bad. But uh, anyway, I'm just nitpicking. It, it is actually a kind of a fun two pages to look at, but uh, it does make me scratch my. It's it's so different than the rest of the three issues that it, it's kind of jarring. But I can't, I could not believe it when I was reading 99 and Dev was in the story. <laughs> That's it's kind of incredible. That shows you how much. Of a of how much world building that Chuck Dixon like does and maintains throughout a hundred issues of this. That's crazy. And just and even then, like at the end of this issue, at the end of Detective Six Eighty Five, it it does even say no 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 hold on. At the end of Robin Twenty Two, it says that uh you know it keeps talking about Shotgun Smith you know being like in Robin Twenty Three. So like he keeps popping up throughout the series too. I would love to see Chuck Dixon's notebook. Of here's all the characters. <laughs> here's where they're going. Here's go. where I last use them, and here's yeah. like where they are. Yeah. Uh, so the last few pages of this uh, go pretty quickly. Uh, they go back. Uh, Batman and Robin go back to uh, Jimmy. They get some information from him, but it's still really not a whole lot. The, these pages. Well, first of all, the artwork is fantastic on these pages oh, yeah. with Jimmy and the inking. You can really see the that coloring, it's Claus yeah. Jansen. Awesome. The coloring is great. You know, it's so yellow and like you, you could you really feel like it's lit by that lamp on the desk. You know, yeah. it's it's really just great shadow work and, and brilliant. But this proves that Batman is not the world's greatest detective. Jimmy Wing is the world's greatest detective because he <laughs> did all the work and got all the information. All Batman did was scare poor Jimmy here. But right. I'm sorry. He just sounded a light in his face. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I love that he's got his cape up by his you know face like you would see Batman normally do, and he's holding the lamp. And I love when artists get the shadows correctly. Like you can tell, the light is coming up from the bottom, reflecting off of Jimmy's glasses. Where in the third panel on page uh, what is that t- eighteen, where you can see the light reflect underneath the glasses on the tip of his nose. Those little things 
really make it feel more realistic and uh, just add so much detail and ambiance to uh, the area rather than, oh, now the shadow's over to the left and now it's over to the right. So uh, Klaus Jansen and the colorist on this, which the colorist, this is his first work uh, for DC mm-hmm. Comics and he did all uh, he did both of the detective uh, issues. So, uh, And Robin looks badass on page 18, top panel. Yes. He's got his arms folded and, and with the lighting. And what I love, too, is like on 17, when Batman's scaring Jimmy, like Robin's like going through papers and clipboards and stuff. Like he's not just there hanging out going, gee, Batman. Yeah. Like he's a yeah. real All the extra context that the art's doing in the background is, is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, and it ends with uh, King Snake again beating more people up. Raymond links his head, looks like into a wall, and uh, who shows up but the Silver Monkey? Um, and I had forgot the Silver Monkey was in here. I think this is a nice setup for where we're going to go into uh, Robin Seventeen. When you saw Silver Monkey, did you know who he was right away? Because I saw it and I'm like. I, I didn't place it. I'm like, I know I've seen him. I know I've seen him. And I had to do a Google search and find like, oh, yeah, the uh, Beware the Bat animated series. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's where I know him from is the Beware the Batman. I was yeah. really trying to not look that up, and it was driving me nuts after I read it. Like, I started going through other, you know, comic, try to flip through other comic appearances. And it was like, oh, it, no, it can't be the cartoon. But, yeah, that's that's where that was from. Man, I just want to. That makes me want to re- rewatch all of Beware the Batman now. Just binge it. I really hope it's on the DC streaming service. I really hope it's on the <sighs> DC streaming service. Uh, so, what was you guys' uh, uh, final thoughts here on the, the the wrap up of this before we get into uh, uh, Robin Seventeen and seeing the uh, Silver Monkey throw uh, all three of these baton- batons and plugging all the guns here at the very end? So, let's start with uh, Ryan. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's it's a good first start to this. After reading all three issues, I do kind of think like, you know, I kind of take or leave some of the the setup things that don't really contribute to this story too much. You know, as a single issue, maybe if it was like all in one like annual type of thing, it wouldn't be in there. Um, but as an ongoing thing, I think it's probably fine. Like if you're reading all the comics of the era, but yeah, it's it's a strong issue. It's fun. The art's good, and it's really cool to see Batman and Robin kind of, you know, work together again. One of the things that I really liked about some of these, those uh, old martial arts movies is it wasn't a straight up hero and villain. You had like multiple heroes and multiple villains and the villains were after the yeah. villains. And then they have like a big like anchor man showdown where like all the different anchor crews show up and all <laughs> have a beat down. And this is what this is leading up well, to. Well, we get that. Yeah, yeah. You got the, like the gorilla army. You've got the uh, silver monkey. You've got King Snake. You've got the Batman group and they're all just coming for a showdown. And it's just pretty awesome. All right, well, let's uh, move into Robin 17 here. I really like this cover. I was really torn between which cover I liked. Raringo's work here on the cover I think is really cool, and eventually he will become an interior artist in the Robin book, but right now he's just kind of doing covers here. The Huntress and uh, Lynx, this is how Lynx should look. in. so I'm wondering you know, how far in advance he was kind of working on this for her to not appear the way that she does there but at the same time uh, two different artists are doing the covers on all these as opposed to uh, Lieber doing the interior art but king snake i think looks the best on robin 
uh, 17. I kind of wish that's how King Snake looked throughout the issue. Not that uh, it's bad what Lieber's doing, but this looks like it's more of kind of what I was expecting. Uh, but Robin looks great uh, seeing them both fall off the building here. Again, it's one of those that doesn't quite happen like it does in the story. I'm a little forgiving of it because I think the cover's pretty badass. Uh, what do you think there, Ryan? I, lo- I like this cover. It's just, you know, it's fun. It's dynamic. I like the... I don't want to say cartoony. I just like the stylized look of the characters. And I think it'll be, if, if you know, like you said, he starts doing interior soon. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, a fun kind of thing to kind of look at is just see kind of more interior art that looks like this. They look more like the archetypal characters. Yeah. So I think it's fun. I like my links with Bon Jovi hair. Like she just stepped out of an <laughs> 80s heavy metal band, and that's how she looks on this cover. And yeah. it's pretty awesome. And even uh, when you, you start opening the book, the first couple pages, her hair isn't exactly Bon Jovi long, but it's longer than it was in Detective Comics. So um, I guess uh, Lieber and um, Ringo were, were operating off different models for links, but I, I definitely like the links better on this cover. See, I think, so, spoilers, right? Like, Lynx, at the end of this story, ends up becoming the leader of the Ghost Dragons, right? Right. So, I, I wonder if that was intentional, is to, like, make her look a little bit more adult, look her, make her dress a little bit more like a, like a leader, rather than like a, you know, a... A teen. I don't know, a ghost pirate. She looks like a, like a, like a ninja pirate, <laughs> you know, like, right. for, uh, you know, so it, it, they're making her look more like Asian Bond villain kind of, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I can see at that mo- at this mo- part. Yeah. So like Terrence had said, this picks up like every one of these books picks right up from where the last entered. So King snake is still throwing everybody around here. Uh, Lynx is just getting the crap kicked out of her by King snake. But the part I want to move on to is page four here with Ariana and Tim Drake. And <sighs> she can't No, Timothy Drake, Timothy. Yes. Timothy. She's kind of tired of all his lies and this, that, and the other. And I was thinking, oh, is he going to try and come up with some excuse here? And he just he can't think of anything. I like the internal uh, monologue that you're getting while the fight is going on. And that's kind of influencing his talking or referring to his talk. The talk he's having is kind of coinciding with the fight that's going on with King Snake. And we kind of find out that uh, this fight's happening right above them. But just kind of moving forward a little bit, we find out that she broke up with him because, gosh darn it, she loves him. So I think that's the first that she has said that in the whole series here. So I want you guys to kind of just talk about the juxtaposition of the King Snake fight and then the love fight between uh, Tim and uh, Ari here. Uh, let's start with Ryan. I think it's interesting. One, I mean, at a nitpick level, have you guys noticed there was a lot of instances in this three these three issues where they just left a lot of periods off of sentences? Yeah, almost as if they're in mid-sentence and it's not finished. Yeah, I wonder if that was intentional or, or what, because it's just like... But, you know, I do like the fact that, like, again, this issue picks right back up with Tim Drake being the narrator. And that kind of keeps that consistency and fluidity through the through the issues. It, it's, it's maybe a little convenient that the the fight is happening right there so they can have it all match but it's not that it's not that bad because it's something they're respecting and it kind of ties into the story and boy it's really dynamic when uh when they get the surprise of all this stuff happening uh you know when when people get knocked out of the windows and you know the, the glass and everything happening uh in town so I thought that was kind of interesting when that finally happens Terrence so did the movie Timothy and Ariana go see 
was it Tony Randall in the Bath Four? Is that what they is on the marquee I, at the I, Princess Theater? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, and almost on page, uh, oh gosh, I can't, I can't see the page number here. Three, page four. <laughs> there's two panels blocking the marquee, and I feel like there was something like inappropriate or an inside joke written in there, and they they use those panels to block it. Maybe not. Maybe it's just random letters. Um, but <laughs> no, I, well. I, I get that feeling that you know uh, that these comic writers do some some funny stuff. I, it is kind of convenient, but I'm I'm okay with that. It gives a sense that Gotham is just this crazy, insane place that like you go to the movies and all of a sudden Asian gang members are going to come crashing out the window and on the car. And, you know, we didn't need three pages of it happening somewhere else. And then Tim getting a police report and reviewing all that. And I actually remember reading this in the 90s in that panel with Ariana saying, I love him and thinking like, where the heck did that come from? Like, that's just out of left yeah. field. But I, I, you know, it's kind of the soap opery thing. So I'm, I'm okay. She loves with it. him. Why she keep going on their dates? Yeah, yeah. Other dudes. Exactly. And I just noticed, I just noticed here on page four that after Ariana is like, you know, telling him that he's like hiding things and he's lying to him, that there's an extra little panel internal monologue from Tim that says, "Ouch." <laughs> yeah. I never yeah. noticed that before, and it also doesn't have a period. But it's kind of a like. Like just a random out of the way on top of a trash can, like commentary on. It's like, ouch, that hurt. But I'm like, you could have just left that out. Moving into Wayne Manor and the uh, function that's going on here, Devlin shows back up, and on page ten, I for some reason I had remembered that when Devlin puts his arm around Bruce and kind of like, hey, buddy, old chum type deal, he's got the cigarette. For some reason, I thought that Bruce flipped him in the party because he's got. He probably was about to. Yeah. And uh, Devlin kind of puts out the uh, cigarette butt here. But uh, here's the great thing, though, about these two panels is that the technology has not aged at all. Uh, uh, Well, are are you referring to beep, beep, uh, beep, beep? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, The uh, the beeper. Darn, darn beeper. (laughs) He says that darn beeper. I guess I I should answer it. Yeah. So, yeah, beepers are still out there. I've seen people all the time with them. It's cutting edge technology. The new Apple. Beeper 10 or whatever they have out there. Yeah. And I wonder how many kids would read this and have no idea what a beeper even is. They would just think he was referring to the ringtone on a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he's flipping up his Apple flip phone. It's his iWatch. Yeah. It's his iWatch, yeah. The big uh, guest star in this, of one of the two uh, guest stars coming up, is the Huntress. Makes uh, her appearance again in this. And we see Lynx looking more like Lynx in this one panel than she does in, oh, the, yeah. in the rest of of the whole Jeez. entire book, and that's on page 13, if you're following along at home, where Robin comes in, and Robin's just waiting off to the side. He's the one that beeped Bruce's beeper and is like, hey, King Snake's at it again, and telling him just hold off, and the Huntress ends up making an appearance. So Robin's got to decide, well, oh, crap, I can't sit and wait. I better go in there. And so the Huntress is going up against King Snake. It is not faring well, and Robin's going to get the uh, brunt of it uh, also. We see Shotgun Smith here, I believe. That is Shotgun Smith. Uh, yes. It and is, because when I read it, I s- turned the page, and I'm I like, thought oh, it there's Bullock. Harvey Bullock. Yep. And then when she calls yeah, him I Shotgun, like, I was like, oh, he's back. Awesome. Yep. Now, where is he eating at? Spivy Burger? Oh, yeah. Spiny Burger? Yeah. SB. I don't know. It looks like he's like throwing the, the trash he throws away. It looks like it's a like a mouth, like a dinosaur mouth or something. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Oh yeah, you can see it down there with the uh, teeth on page fourteen. With the pur- yeah, it's a purple like yeah. thing with teeth. So that was kind of unexpected to see him here. So it's nice that he's still keeping a shotgun around. And then Batman finally shows up in sixteen with the uh, gangs trying to get to Tim, but isn't able to. So Tim's got to make a quick minute decision <laughs> to throw himself at King Snake. Uh, that's that's the only way that he can think to save the Huntress. I like, as Tim's kind of describing what their fall is going to be like, and he says, I can hear the gas from the people on the sidewalk, and then it's fruit stand and bruises. So I thought Fruit this, salad. Uh, fr- yeah, fruit salad, rather, which I thought was kind of cool at the uh, crash into the fruit stand there. So I thought that was a nice little uh, sequence here. Uh, I kind of like how Batman and Robin are working at different angles of this and they're both trying to say, hey, watch out for this, stay away from that. Bruce is going into an area that this is still a very Tim Drake focus that Tim at this point knows more than what Batman does. He's worked with the the Dragons more and King Snake. So this is kind of unfamiliar territory for Batman and especially a Batman that's just now back after Tim having worked uh, with mm-hmm. Dick for a while. So I thought that's that's really kind of cool that it, in some instances, Bruce is kind of deferring to Tim just because Tim does have the inside track. So what do you think about this uh, sequence before we get to uh, the end here where uh, Batman gets his first meeting? Well, we can just uh, talk about it. It's only in, in one page here where Batman meets the Silver Monkey for the first time. Uh, let's start with Ryan. I, I, I like it. I mean, I love this line on page 21 where Batman's like, the darkness won't hide you from me. You know, that's, that's such a Batman line. And I just can imagine the delivery. I thought that was pretty cool. And, and the fruit salad line, that is very Tim Drake. Like that is a very Tim Drake kind of line, but just like, um, in joke wise, <laughs> I wanted to ask on page 15, there's the, there's this truck, right? Mm-hmm. With, with, with the gang members in it. And if, like we know, like they're, they're drugs, they're drug runners, right? Right. So on the door it says Crackmobile. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I wonder where the crack dealers are. Let's just wait for the Crackmobile. I mean, it's on the side of the truck, and there's something else written on the on the side. I, I wondered if you guys can make out exactly what I you think it says. I can't. On which quite. on fit page fifteen also. On page fifteen on the truck it says Crackmobile, but on the on the rim of the of the the trunk of the truck, it looks like it says something else. I I can't quite make it out if it does say anything. No. <laughs> That's what I've been giggling at for the last five minutes. It looks to me like it says, born to eat something, but I don't know what that is. Oh, I'm seeing it right there. This is where I need a good scan of this to be able to find out uh, what that is. Yeah, it I looks, can see. I'm, I'm using my phone to like take a picture of it and, and uh, amplify it. It looks like a P-I-E, pi, maybe? Something that starts with a P. Wait a minute, Terrence. In like panels where you said, hey, they're trying to hide something. Yeah. Does the word end in Y, maybe? I don't know, but I just wonder, like, (laughs) what are they trying to get away with here on this page? Yeah, I can't make it out. It's just like like born to eat P dot 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 is what it looks like to me. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, The crackmobile. (laughs) On the crackmobile. To the crackmobile. I just wonder if that's what they're saying as they, like, try to get away. Now, wait, Montonia. The crackmobile will be coming around this corner any moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, your thoughts here, uh, Terrence, before we uh, close this one out. Uh, I thought the art was very inconsistent these last couple pages. Mm. I thought um, the good was the scenes with Batman. Batman looks fantastic. You know, when he's kicking a guy in the face and you just see the whites of his eye with the cape and the one scene where he's like pointing at them and he says, let's get this little detour over with. I don't have time for this. I love this. that pose. Come on, yeah. make your move. And they all just drop their guns and run away. Like, that just looks awesome but the huntress looks terrible she does not look yeah. good at all she does not look sexy she does not even look proportional or the the first page where you see her her legs don't even match up there's no way those two legs could connect to the same body really like it's just it's just odd looking and the mask on her face makes her face look really ugly and um in some scenes she looks like the ultimate warrior from WWF wrestling and in some scenes she just looks terrible um, so I was kind of disappointed with the Huntress stuff and there's a couple scenes where Robin's falling like on page 19 and his head and neck do not match his body like there's there's no way a human torso can do that uh, <laughs> but that's but then the next, you turn the next page and you see Batman and he looks freaking awesome so i don't i don't know the batman stuff looked really great um and it, it's an odd kind of ending where silver monkey kind of slices up batman and just kind of walks away and batman's like over oh, my dead body so it's it's really not an ending it's just like i better get this next issue so um yeah those are my thoughts on the the final couple pages all right that's where we're gonna put a pin in it for this episode of Robin, everyone loves the Drake Kung Fu Theater. Uh, we recorded this in one giant recording session with the intention of breaking it down into a couple uh, episodes for you to digest a little bit easier. Uh, we really wanted to try and get this third issue in for Detective Comics 686, but we were running just a little bit long, and we also include the letters section uh, from the Robin comic. So that's going to make a nice uh, little uh, episode all on its own to kind of round this out. So like I said, this is where we're going to stop this episode. So I want to give a couple plugs and shout outs to my co-host. Uh, the first one is Terrence. He has a new Twitter handle. If you want to follow him on Twitter at Tim's Redbird. And Ryan can be found at SMB underscore Ryan. You can also catch him over on Batman on Films podcast. You can also find him also on Twitter at Azriel podcast, where he's eventually going to be launching his Azriel podcast. It's exciting that he'll be doing that before too long. And then Terrence and I have a sister show that we talk about all the time. Uh, we are finally up and running and releasing shows once a month now. Uh, there'll be a new intro for our next episode that we uh, put together to have like official new uh, intro for the show. You can find us over on Batman Robin Eternal Podcast on Twitter at Band R Eternal Pod. That's B for Batman. B A N D R Eternal E T E R N A L P O D. And you can also find me on Twitter uh, when I'm not out talking about Robin. Everyone loves the Drake at ELTD podcast. You can find me, Rob, at DrummerRob10. So when I go out and do some uh, gigging, and then just uh, lately, it's just been uh, a lot of comic book stuff. I'm actually getting ready to play drums uh, today at the county fair. So if you are hearing this on Wednesday, then I will have already done it since today is Sunday. But again, you can find me at DrummerRob10. So that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, on the behalf of Terrence and Ryan, this is Rob, and you've been listening to the TheBatmanUniverse.net, and more importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. We will see you in a couple weeks.
Everybody Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.